Um, first married and had my son from a little town called Fairfield, Illinois, are still on Facebook with us there in Arkansas, and they texted him this morning and said, why isn't Brother James's son who's running at your church? He used to come to Fairfield. I'm like, I don't know. So he walks in the door, and he says, oh, yeah, that was my dad. We used to come to that church all the time. So, yeah, and him and I, uh, well, our schools, our high schools used to play against each other. Now, mind you, he was probably in grade school when I was in high school, but at any rate, he used to play against each other. That's how close he lived down in some Illinois where I lived at. And uh, Florence, he's a Renault Florence. Yeah, he's a third yeah. back there. Yeah. <laughs> and you were probably at the church along with me, you and Tammy, when Don here would have his dad come in and minister. I love it when it's a big world and God makes us a family unified together like that. That is so cool. So I can't wait to later on text here in Georgia and tell them, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. Amen. You want to go on? We want to worship more with our substance, like I was introducing our video. Okay. If you would, would you, would you grab hold of the blessing for the Lord you're going to do this morning? Hold it in the air. Look like this. And by the way, if you're not a member of the church, church is on us this morning. You don't have to we'll not require anything like that. But, uh, hold this up and say these words. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. I bring this before you as my high priest. Accept my offering and worship my Father with it. And open up those windows. Pour out that blessing. You promised us. And we obey you like this. Amen. We worship him. That's the, that's the old covenant pattern that we would do that for the high priest. But I think it's okay to do that for our high priest, the Lord Jesus. And bless his name. Are y'all ready this morning? Are y'all ready to bring the sacrifice of praise before the Lord? We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you were you were up against 
a lot not against you, but a lot of other people that went off the route. He stayed on it. What was the question that was asked? He stayed on it. And I'm always impressed as a person who teaches <laughs> a lot of people who do other people do. You know? And I, went, I didn't go in that road with Lori Thompson since the start. I was under Jim Harbaugh over 30 years ago. So I, I get to say these things. <laughs> I used to be one of those speakers up there. And then as it got more popular, he got more people in. I get to sit back and, and really appreciate when the word comes forth. But um, as a woman minister, I believe you're in that category. Um, I have been a woman minister for 30 years. Opened four different churches and pastored at five. And so when him and I got married, which just three years ago, and he had, yeah, and he had pastored, and then we got offered this position, we looked at each other like, who's taking that leap? Because we're both doing it. So we decided to co-pastor. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we're doing is co-pastoring, and it's working out real well until, until all the people go to him because he's a man, and then I'm like, oh. It's because I'm taller, that's why. So, so anyway, but but we are grateful to be here, and we are so honored to have James with us. Yeah. And I keep saying James, but I can't pronounce your last name. Howard. 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 So we're just going to go to James, <laughs> and you've got to lead way from whatever God moves you into. We're, we're, we want everybody to know this is a spirit, it's called Jim Shepherd Fellowship, but it's a spirit filled fellowship. We want to follow the spirit of work. You're free and open to minister as the Lord manifests and leads through you this morning. Would you come? And uh, I'm guessing you don't mind holding the microphone. Yeah, we can put it out there and Praise the Lord. Somebody say Jesus this morning. Jesus. Yeah. Boy, God, good. <laughs> You cannot pronounce my name. That is awesome. I thought, man, she's broken the spirit. <laughs> so that's what I'm just going to say. She was just up here broken the spirit. But yeah, when I come to the door, she said, you know, do you know Don and Don George from Fairfield, Illinois? I'm like, well, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, grew up, I grew up, I was born and raised in Peoria most of my life. But then the last three years of high school, we went down to uh, southern Illinois. And I now live in the Atlanta, Georgia area. I'm going to move this a lot of over later. And so that's where I live now. So you thank me for the warm weather because I brought it up with me. You say amen. Praise God. I do want to recognize as they did uh, Joe and Bethany Paternoga, pastor of the Passion Fire International Ministries out of Belvedere, where Bethany is the pastor. And Joe says he wants nothing to do with co pastoring. And so we just got to get. I, I, I would love to see Joe get up at your services and lead worship the way the brother here led worship. I think that would be phenomenal to see him do that. Maybe you, maybe you can get with Joe and teach him a few things in regards to in regards to singing. And, and Brother Gary heard that as well. Who we but the common bond we have is a love for the nation of Uganda. That um, you know his wife is Ugandan, as he said earlier. He spends a lot of time there. I spend a lot of time there. God's been doing a lot of work through through our ministry in Uganda as we begin to push forward now with Uganda for Jesus in August of 2023 next year. I'm excited about that. I'll actually be flying to Uganda on July 2nd. And so I won't be here to celebrate July 4th, which 
Uh, my wife's in church. She doesn't know that yet. She still thinks I'm flying out on July 5th. That just got changed. So I'm glad she's in church right now. They are an hour ahead of us, but they're still in church. So praise God. And Andrew Miller is here. Stand up a minute, Andrew. Andrew Miller is a young, up-and-coming minister that I took into Uganda with me back in March. And man, God just wrecked this guy when he was there. And, and I, I believe he kind of fell in love with the nation as well while he was there. So it is great to have you folks here. It is great to have everyone from the Rockford area that is here. I was telling the pastor earlier that the very first message my dad ever preached was at a Free Will Baptist Church here in Rockford, Illinois, back in 1975. And he's been ministering now for, I think, uh, just under 50 years, maybe it is, something like that. He's been pastoring down here in Georgia for 28 years now. But back in the day, he had black hair when you would have seen him. Combed, combed back like Elvis Presley, I think like everybody in the 1970s did. But uh, he, he, he jumped over a lot of pews and got pretty fired up, and so I tried to do the total opposite of that. Just kidding, but um, I am excited to be here. Dr. Horvath spoke very highly of you. He said that he did say as well that he's known you for quite a long time. So I thank you for opening the book this morning so that I might speak. Can you say amen? How many ready for me to shut up and start preaching? I'm that guy. I'm that guy that sits out there and say, all right, man, just get it all. Just start preaching, bro. That's what I want to say a lot of times. So now I'm saying to myself, just start preaching. But my wife and my, and my kids do say hello, even though, you know, that goes without saying. I'm married to my wife, naturally. And I have five children. And so I have two daughters. One is getting ready to get married here in about three weeks. And now I have three sons. So uh, my daughters are... 29, 26, and my sons are 16. Just, I got one turn of 15 in a couple of weeks, and then a nine-year-old. Say amen. If I would have had the nine-year-old first, I wouldn't have had the other four. I'm just going to say right now, my nephew is so bullheaded and so stubborn. His name is Jude. He's just like his dad. The others are all like their mom. He's just like his dad, and that's why I wouldn't have had any more if that was the case. But they do send their love. Can you say amen? What is God's favor? How do we measure it? And what does it look like? In the church today, when we're talking, I'm going to preach on the favor of God today. Is it okay to step on these steps? You, you kind of, yeah. they're not going to roll over on me, are they? Because I'm telling you, if that happens, I'll never live it down. I'm going to because she's over there. And everybody will hear about it. You know, a quick funny story. I was in a, a city called, a village called Papo in Uganda. And in Uganda, they don't have nice churches like this. Well, there's some. But even the really nice churches, they have those like plastic lawn chairs that, that they all sit in. And I'm all fired up and I'm preaching. And I jump up on one of those. And I'm just going to town preaching. All of a sudden, boom, man, that chair blows out. Underneath me, and a lot of the churches in Uganda have dirt floors, and there's no air conditioning. I was real sweaty. I'm laying on my back, literally, with this dirt floor in the middle of this church, and everybody just got dead silent. And so I jumped back up on my feet. Everybody starts hollering and screaming, and my whole back is covered in literally mud because I was so sweaty. And I preached the rest of the service. I was trying to wipe my face like that, and I live a dirt scrap here. I looked like I was special ops or something by the time I was done covered in that stuff. And so that's why I asked that question, because I have people that, matter of fact, I came, I went back to Pavo, and first, remember we were at Pavo, and they still had that chair that was broke, they, they kept it, and everybody that came up to me didn't mention anything that I preached about that, then they all said, you're the guy that broke the chair when you were here. 
But I want to talk about the favor of the Lord today because sometimes I believe, I feel personally that God gets a bad rap on His favor because what happens is we all imagine God's favor looking like a beautiful mansion, a nice car, a real fat bank account, great health, no problems in our life, and that's the favor of God. And we also tend to think that everybody else in the church is operating under the favor of God but us or yourself. Every, God blesses everyone, but He never blesses me. My situation never changes. I'm always in this dire place with brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they've always got everything they need. How come, God, your favor isn't shining down on me, but it's always shining down on them? We have to recognize what favor of God is and what the favor of God isn't, and sometimes that which we deem as isn't actually is what is. Can you say amen? And I'm going to start by saying this first and foremost. There are times when God does things in our life that we don't view as the favor of God at all, but in actuality, it is the favor of God on our life. We have to begin to look through a different lens. We have to begin to look through a different scope in what God is trying to do in our lives to fully understand where he's trying to take us and what it's going to take to get us there. Sometimes the favor of God isn't going to look at all like we feel the favor of God should look. But just because we don't think it's the favor of God doesn't mean it's not the favor of God. I remember talking to my dad one time, and I made a statement to him, and man, his face got beat right when well. I'll tell you exactly what it was. We were, we were playing a game of running. Yeah, I play cards. You know, was the most old school. Oh, you shouldn't be playing cards. We were playing a game of running, and, and, and no demons came out of the deck of cards while we were playing running. So we were playing, we were playing running, and, and with my three brothers, and it was late at night. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And um, I just, there was 10 of us in our family, so when I say my three brothers, that means there was my mom and six others that were sleeping in the house, because it was like 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And a car got thrown down, and, and my dad and I, we hollered running, we went to grab dad, and he said, I got it first. I said, no, I got it first. He said, no, and he said, I got it first. I, and I looked at my dad, and I made a statement, so I said, well, I said, because we don't know anything, we're getting worse. And dad, I said, let's step outside and talk about this. And my dad, even though he was a minister, came out of the cabinet. In and out of prison and all this stuff. And so he, he what he hears from me is, you want to step outside? As if I'm done laying down a gauntlet and the old man is fired up now, and he's like, what, what you just say to me? You want to step outside? He goes, I'm your dad. I've got to step outside. He said, I'll take care of business right here in the house. And I'm like, well, hold on. I'm 16. I don't want this fight. Why are you laughing when I get in there and I had to come? No, I said, let's step outside and have our debate. Because I didn't want to holler and scream because the last thing I wanted to do was wake up mom and have mom out there. But see, it was all from the perspective, my perspective of how I was saying it, his perspective, perspective as how he perceived it was two totally different things. And sometimes when it comes to the favor of God, our perspective is way off on how God intends it. Can you say amen? Now if you turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. I think one of my great little two hundred is going to have to serve in the back. <laughs> Luke 1 and 30, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. So now the first person we find in the Bible that has the favor of the Lord on them is Mary. And what does the favor of God look like on Mary's life? I will tell you exactly what the favor of God looks on like on Mary's life. She begins to be accused of being an adulteress. Her fiancé wants to break up with her. The community wants to stone 
her, and she basically banished and sent away to have her child. That was the favor of God on Mary's life. That's what the favor of God looked like, and we think when we don't get a $100,000 check in the mail that we don't have God's favor. Well, maybe we don't want God's favor, or God's favor is going to look like it did when it comes to Mary. Another individual in the Bible that had the favor of God on their life was Joseph, and that favor was displayed to him in two separate dreams that he had, but not only the favor of God, but the favor of his father as well, with the coat of many colors, but the favor of God on his life, and the favor of his father on his life led him to be sold into slavery, cast into prison. All these things that happened in his life that were not good at all, thrown into a pit, but that was what favor looked like for Joseph. Why? Because there was a process that Joseph had to go through because God was taking him to a place where he was going to have great responsibility, but along with great responsibility comes a great process that you're going to have to go to so that you might mature enough in your face so that you can handle what God is wanting to put in your life. So the next time that you are experiencing all these terrible trials in your life, you have to begin to ask God, God, is this actually the enemy coming against me, or is this you processing me into something great that you have for me, but I keep rejecting the process because I don't think it's favor. So we've got to begin to change our image, change our view. The only way you're going to do that is through a relationship with the Heavenly Father. You've got to get into a place where you can be intimate with the Father, where He can begin to reveal to you, as the Scripture says, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But if you don't ever have that relationship built up with Him, there's no way you're ever going to get to the place where you need to be so that you might birth transformation in this earth as He wants to use you. I'm here to tell you, I don't care if you live in Rockford, Illinois, or Fairfield, Illinois, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's time that the church, the Western church I'm talking about right now, stops running from their responsibility and their purpose, get out of their own mind and their own mind, quit whining and complaining, and begin to accept the favor of God regardless of what it looks like so that they might be able to fulfill the purpose and destiny that God has for their life. But in order for you to do that, you're going to have to do something that most believers do not have time to do. And what is that? That is pray. Prayer brings the increase. But we don't have time to pray because i got to take Junior to the ball game. American Idol's going to be on TV tonight. i got to clean the house, wash the dishes, cook dinner because old lazy pants over there work eight hours behind a desk today. And he's got to read his newspaper. But don't forget, we got to pick up our phones and spend at least four hours of screen time a day on it. And then, God, if I've got time, I'll sit down and pray. That's what I mean. I'm, 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 that's supernatural. I think God's going to come out and act. The OMV act. And so that he can actually talk to his children. Why is it so important? Well, because it's a relationship. You know, I, I, I flew up to Chicago and, and I talked to my wife four times yesterday. Four times. First of all, I don't think you only talk one time. No. But I talk four times on my body because there's going to be a lot of communication with me and her that's constantly ongoing. If I would not call my wife when I landed at O'Hare Airport, I would have had a problem. I would have had a big problem. If I would have talked to my wife before she went to bed last night, I would have had a problem. Because we are in an intimate relationship with each other, and that requires communication. That requires talking to one another. That requires sharing things with one another. And that's the level of relationship that God intends to have with us. God wants us to be in a secret 
place with him where we can have an intimate relationship where we can, he can begin to communicate with me and I can begin to communicate with him. See, there's things in my life that I talk about that nobody else in this world other than God will ever know. When I lay my head on that pillow tonight, and she lays her head on that pillow, we talk about things that nobody else knows. She tells me her dreams, her visions. When we discuss the Word of God, we talk about things because that's a place of intimacy for us. That's the bedchamber, and that's where God's trying to get His children to, into the bedchamber, where He can begin to reveal the mysteries of God's kingdom and your purpose of playing to you, but we don't ever get into a deep enough level of prayer so that He might be able to be intimate with you in the secret place, so you might birth transformation for Robert Illinois. Now, what level of intimacy is required in order for God to birth something through you? I say this, and in my life, it just doesn't sound right in church, but I say it requires a scandalous level of intimacy with the Heavenly Father. Why do you say a scandalous level of intimacy? Because it was a scandal when Mary became impregnated with the Messiah. It was a scandal in the community, but she did what God had asked her to do. And what happened? She was able to break forth and birth something that would transform not just her region, but the entire earth. What is God wanting to birth within you right here in this church, in this town, Rockford, Illinois, today? That you haven't entered into a deep enough level of prayer with the Father so that He might birth something through you. Can you say amen? You know, the scripture says this. It says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, he what? He knew you. He knew you. Now, that word knew in the Old Testament, that word knew in the Old Testament means intimacy. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and Abraham knew Sarah. See, and before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, God what? He knew you. So you were already intimate with the Father long before you were ever placed on this earth. And all he's trying to do now is get you to get back to a place of intimacy that you were once with long before you ever stepped foot on this earth. And a great example of that is John the Baptist when Mary walks into the room with a baby within Elizabeth's son of left within her womb. Why did the baby leave? Because I believe that Jesus entered into the room. I believe that baby left like that. He's like, whoa, just a couple of months ago, I was in the presence of just walking with us, just walked in the room. I, I knew, I know what it's just walked in the room, because I was just there where it was at. And the other thing today is long before you were ever in your mother's womb, I knew you. I'm just trying to get you back to a place that you started at. Can you say amen? You'll recognize it when you get there, because that's where it all begins. Hallelujah. Somebody say Jesus. So we have to begin to understand what the favor of God looks like. For Paul, the favor of God was being murdered at the flagstone of Rome. He said, what? For me to live as Christ, for me to die is gain. So death for Paul was the favor of the Lord on his life. Is death the favor of God on you? Are you alive today? Or, 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 or has the church gotten so, so selfish in its, in its thinking that we now view death as a punishment and life to gain? Have we reversed the scripture? Because the spirit of religion has taught us that if I can't speak you from getting saved, I'm going to take you to a place of non-development so that you'll never grow in Christ and you will long, you will long to stay on this earth instead of being with him. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. What did favor look like? 
But I'm telling you what, all of those things were the favor of God and they were on his life, but it was also the favor of God on your life. Long before you ever came to him, he made a way and a provision of a thing called favor, and that was the crucifixion, the entombment, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Savior. That's what favor looks on your life. If you don't ever see another ounce of favor on this earth while you're walking on this earth, know that's the fact that he gave his only begotten son is all the favor you would ever need in this life. You say amen. Do we truly know God in a manner that, that, that if he even walked in the room that we would know he was there? About, oh, my, my Lord Jimmy Elijah was like you know, two and three years old. And, and we took them to Disney World for vacation. And, and, and we were there for five days. And every day, you know, we were at the park and we were riding the rides. And, and man, that place was expensive. But we had a great time. We had a great family time when we were there. Uh, June wasn't born yet. But my daughters weren't living at home anymore. And then we were down there just having a blast in the cake time for the last day of the trip where we were and so we're packing up and stuff, and it finally it hits me. We've been there five days, and we've never got a picture taken with Mickey Mouse. That, that's a, no Mickey Mouse, nothing. We had Goofy, we had Donald, we had Daisy, and all the other peanut gallery folks. But we never, we never got the big Mickey Mouse. And so when I told my wife, well, next time we come back, we got to make sure we see Mickey Mouse. But God began to speak to me that day. He said, you know, he said, that's how my churches are. He said, they go to church, they give a lot of money, they have a blast from their members, but half the most of them don't ever see me. He said, he said, we'll, we'll get there and we'll mock and make fun of those who spend that money in Disney World, but those walking to churches all around the country and do that and never see an ounce of people like that. We, we truly know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out if we know what the favor of God looks like. I'm asking a lot of people, do you know what God looks like? You know my God. Better yet, does he know you? Hallelujah. Luke 12 and 48 says this. Tell us of whom much is given, much is required. See, the kingdom of God, we want the much that is given, but there's a much is required that is tagged onto that. There, there, there's a process that we have to do if we want the much that is given. So, so we cry out to God, God, where's my favor? I want everything that you've got. Well, we pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. And God's like, okay. But there's a whole lot of requirement that comes with that pouring out. And you, you have to submit to the pastor of your own church, and you think you're going to submit to me? Why have you ever seen a post pastor before? Probably ain't seen God either. That's to the people that are watching on that streamline he was talking about earlier. And don't get me going on feminine ministry. That's a losing battle all day long, Mr. Religious Righteous. Calvinist. Got a problem. You mind saying to those people? Sound shut up. Sound shut up. But you know what they always say? Oh, you can't say that. I can all play tomorrow. And you know who you're going to go to when you're mad about it? You're going to go to him, because she's a woman, and he's going to say, well, you can talk my wife about that. She's going to tell you know what I mean? She's another part of this becoming pastor. How do you think he broke his butt? Come on, Nero. That's good. Someone come walking in our office got something to say. Shut up. 
I would say it was a mistake because I had pulled down the last turn because I've done it myself. So I go to the hotel room that night, we'll sit there and imitate the dip. Well, we saw a church that night. Making fun of them. Ah! Falling on the chair, falling on the couch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Make fun of them for my line and a half back at the hotel room. This ought to be good tomorrow. Good thing we didn't have to pay out a registration fee for this dude. Well, I woke up next morning and God saved my mind. I will not leave my I walked in there, boy, very sober the next day. Next thing you know, you know what I'm doing? Ah! Down I go, man. Got hit by the power of God, man. And God stood me back up and began to break religion on me that week. I ain't never been the same since. I called my wife up. I said, man, things are going to change when I can come. That's my fault. Things are going to change when I can come. She goes, well, I'm glad you went to a conference and got lit up. But I didn't. And after you leave and make all your changes, who do you think got implemented? She goes, so I hope you got something to bring home to me. And so I did, because I was walking through the hall, and, and, and the guy gave me a book. He said, God told me to give you this book. And so I go get home. I do like every God-fearing man in the house does. I got home. I went to the bathroom, sat down, opened up the book again and read. After the first chapter, I came out and looked at my wife. I said, here, God wants you to read this book. Two days later, man, my wife was born on fire and lit from that book. And to this day, when I read it, I don't get anything out of it. But it's that her life on. She's wrote two books since reading that book. She becomes a praise and worship leader that gets called all over the place to go lead worship. Matter of fact, she got in the whole but up in her the, the gift of dream interpretation and vision interpretation. She would wake up every morning that night or ten groups with people all around the world. For people sometimes she never even known this before. God just exploded her from a book, from a conference that I went to where I was mocking, making fun of everybody. And why? Because that's the favor of God on your life. That which is, isn't always what it seems. And you say amen. There are some of you here today that are experiencing God's favor right now, but you don't even realize it because you're walking in the flesh. You're too concerned with how you feel and not concerned about what, what, what God needs. See, there's a level of you that God needs. God uses the human element of corporate body to get his will done on this earth. And there's things that he needs, but because you don't feel right inside, you're operating on the heart and not off the spirit. You're not letting your spiritual mind lead you, but you're letting everything in your heart dictate. And the Bible will tell you that the heart is quick to deceive. The heart will lie to you in a heartbeat. Anytime somebody says, Oh, I just know in my heart, brother, how I use them. Those the first thing that Chuck goes up and reads the red flag says, Yeah, they don't got a clue. Because the heart, the Bible says, is the quickest thing that will deceive you. The enemy uses the heart to deceive you more than anything else. I just know in my heart this is what I'm supposed to do. And it said, I'm shut up. How much did you pray about? No, I don't have to. I just got this feeling. And then you want to know what the favor I got to get back to the favor. I don't know why I went off on that tangent. Probably because Joe's here. God wants to be wanted not for what he does, but for who he is. We need to quit looking at all our trials as punishment and accept them as possibly God's favor in your life. Now, I, I served eight years in the United States Air Force after God called me to preach. That's the last thing I wanted to do. Actually, he called me to preach. I went two and a half years to Illinois State University. Left there. I still couldn't figure out what I wanted to do, even though God knew what I needed to do. Then I joined the United States Air Force. When I got out of the Air Force, I got a job working with liquid oxygen and liquid nitrogen. Because that's what I did the Air Force work with the box. 
And so about an hour away from home one day, I'm on the job working with this guy. We're working on this tank that, that had this slow leak and that stuff. Especially liquid oxygen is very dangerous if it leaks. And, and, and we get a picture. We're sitting there. And all of a sudden, man, we get the vehicle and start to have fun. And we start to have fun. I started getting all these terrible cracks in my stomach. And my stomach wasn't this big back then. Back then, I was a lean, mean cotton machine. I was in shape. And that's why my wife pursued me the way she did. Because she saw me and she's like, my God. I have got to be married to that. But that is a joke. <coughs> and so all of a sudden, my stomach is cramping and turning, and for some reason, I crave water. And so I, I look at the guy that's dropped, I said, hey, man, you got to pull around here. I got to drink a lot of water. And he just keeps on driving, uh, driving, see a guy fishing, move on, see a guy move on, like, where's this guy doing? I said, hey, pull over, I need some water. My stomach's hurting. He's an hour and so in a minute. And so he's driving down the road. And now I'm ticked off because we just went past two more gas stations. And I go, hey, pull over right now. I need some water. And if, if you knew me back then, you know that I could be very stern. I was very hot-headed back in those days. So finally, he pulls over. And as he goes and pulls the gas station, this green truck goes around us and goes up over this hill. I go to the gas station. As soon as I go to the gas station, my stomach quits hurting and I go over on water. But I did buy a bottle of water anyway, because that's the way I act when I'm going to get a bottle of water. We go back out, we get the vehicle, we drive up over the hill, and the great truck that went around us was getting hit on by the truck that was trying to pass somebody on the hill coming over. See, I do that the stomach cramps, pain, and something was making me upset, something that was making me angry, but I believe in that moment on that day, that was a favor of God being moved in my life. If I wouldn't have had those stomach cramps, we would have been going over that hill at that time. And I would have ended up dead. And God was looking down and said, you know what? That's my son. That's my child. And he's got a purpose and a destiny that's got to be fulfilled at Gentle Shepherd Fellowship in Rocker, Illinois on, on, on May 15th. So I'm going to have to have this other guy who isn't serving me, even though I love him and I want him to stay. He's going to have to go over that hill in his place. And he's got to pull it here right now. So I'm going to bring stomach cramps to him and to pull over. And even though he's cursing me for the day's going to come where he's going to thank me for saving his life and he's going to view once what was a pain in the neck as the favor of God on, my, on his life. See, how many things in your life have you cursed that are actually the favor of God on it? How many things have you sat there and said, God, I'm sick of this, I'm sick of that, I'm tired of this individual, I'm tired of that, I'm tired of not having the money to pay my bills, I'm tired of not being able to buy what I want to buy, and God's sitting there saying, bro, and it's my favor on your life, you don't understand it now, and God probably makes the same thing to many parents, and this is going to hurt me a whole lot more than it's going to hurt you, but it's for your own good. My dad said all the time when he would go, you know, my dad and mom had 10 kids, so they were very pro-corporal punishment. And my dad was saying, it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I'm like, well, you're nuts. And I believe that's sometimes what God said, you know, I don't want to see you go through this, but it's necessary because I'm actually protecting you. It's actually my favor on your life. But you don't understand that because you don't know me the way you need to know me. You know that I wouldn't purposely hurt you and let or purposely allow something to happen to you unless there was a reason for it. And don't say, God, don't purposely allow things to happen. Consider my servant Joel. It's easy to look backwards and see God's favor. It's hard to look at your current situation and say, wow, this very well may be the favor of God on my life. Regardless of what your situation is, no matter how dire it might look, no matter how bad you think it might be, you've got to stop and get in the prayer closet and begin to 
see God say, God, are you actually holding this, 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 and this up in my life because it's actually your thing where you are protecting me or my love? Faith is looking backwards and saying, I believe God is able to make all things good. Trust is looking forward and saying, I know God will make all things good. One of the scriptures that's probably quoted by one of the top ten quoted scriptures in the Bible, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. The problem with that verse in the world today is a lean not into thy own understanding because we want to understand and we want to know. And so we begin to press the envelope, we begin to do things, we begin to strive within our own flesh because we have to understand what God's trying to do. And God's just saying, sit down, shut up, sit down. You don't need to know because if you know it, it takes faith and trust out of the equation. Now you're operating under your own assurance instead of operating under the assurance of God. And God's saying, I'm tired of you having to know everything. Just let me be God and you be my child. My children will come to me and my wife and like, my dad, what's going on? This, what's going on? That. And I get my, my wife always say, it's all I need to know basis and you don't need to know. Why? Because they don't need to know everything that's going on in the household. And God's saying the same thing to his children through that scripture. Quit leaning on your own understanding and know that I am God. Don't trust me when you're in your hour of need and don't cry out to me for help. But when you think you've got it all under control, get out of the way, God. I'm living on my own understanding. I'm going to strive my way right into my purpose and you never get there. Sit down, shut up, and let God be God. You're robbing yourself of life and life more abundantly because you ain't got the faith to shut up. So if you're on the phone, because we won't talk to God, hey, if you don't want to, you know, I had a dream in there, I'm trying to figure this thing out. Did you pray about, no, but I know that you interpret the dream, Bob. You know, because my wife hears this. And she'll say the same thing every time when God's made you for No, no more. Oh, but I don't like to do that, God, I'm telling you that time. Then you need to get your answer. The internet is making faith right out the door. Well, God won't tell me, but I know who will. Siri, Alexa. Some of you here today might be questioning God's favor. You might be saying, right now, my life is trial after another. How is that God's favor? Until you get down to pray and you get to see God, but you, you might not know until you've gone through the trial. You think Abraham, as he walked in, he talked about this morning, as he was walking up the hill with the wood strapped to his back, and his son, you think he was sitting there saying, God, how is this my favor? You think he was asking that? You think he said, God, this is ridiculous. God, this is unreal. How come you ain't got a lot trying to do this stuff you're making me do? What do I got to do with God? What do I got to back you to church? Why do I got to sit in the nursery? Why do I got to pay 10%? I can't even pay my bills. God said, but you don't pay your 10%. Yeah, well, Pastor, that's Old Testament cousin. No, it ain't. That was before the law. That was even before Mel says that. The tithe has been there since the beginning of time. In the garden of Eden, touch not that tree, it belongs to me. 
And what was the what was the consequences of cursing the tree? You'll be cursed with the curse. So then Malachi comes back and says, Well, man, Rob God will absolutely. And what happens? The Bible says you'll be cursed with the curse. Same punishment, both ways. Time started in the garden. Gary, but Jesus died on the cross, and now you're under the new covenant, so now I can just give whatever I want to give. Shut up and sit down. You want to go to New Testament on me? I'll go to New Testament, Joe. So don't argue with me over I can't tell a lot of people. What's New Testament teaching in regards to time? Well, hanging out to it says this all the gold and the silver belongs to the Lord. So it all belongs to God. Then Jesus said this. He said, render unto Caesar, which is Caesar's, and render unto God, which is God's. So what you give Caesar's is what part of the silver is God's? All of it. Scripture says all the gold and silver belongs to God. So I'll give Caesar his. And they give me God, what's God? What's God? All of it. Yeah, well, that's a little unreal. Really, because three times the book of Acts said they took all their possessions, sold it, and laid their money at the apostles' feet. So in reality, us paying 10% is a compromise the spirit of religion is talking to. Now, there's your five. Wow! Come on, Jesus! That's good teaching right there, but we don't want to hear Because it's Bible. Now see, I got myself in trouble when I packed it because this is what I taught myself. If you're only going to put 5% in, keep it. I don't want your sin money. Because a little bit of leaven will spoil the whole batch. So I don't need you putting 5% in the offering basket and ruining everything else for everybody else. If you're only going to give 5%, keep your own curse in your own house. Don't bring it in the arms. And I don't want to say that you don't want to say that. She's like, yeah, you get it down on the live stream. I don't think we want that going on. That's just real. That's just Bible. Well, how come they don't preach that? Because they want your money. They want that 10% because they know they're not going to get it all. What if you never receive a bunch of money? What if God never heals you? What if next month you walk through the hardest trial you've ever faced? Does that mean you weren't taken by God? <laughs> Were you somehow lost favor? With God. Like I said earlier, there's a real crucifixion that took place that says you are highly favored by God. What makes you highly favored? All right, that was before you were saved. Now, what you're saying, no, you're not just highly favored. Now you're a child of God. Princes and princesses in his kingdom. So we've got to begin to understand who we actually are in Christ Jesus. What being saved actually means. Being saved doesn't mean, okay, now I got a whole book of rules that I gotta follow, and if I'm lucky, and if I pass the final inspection, I might just get to go to heaven. Hey, that's religion, and that's wrong. There's a whole lot more. The Bible is not a book of restrictions, it's a book of permissions. We've got real good at saying no to everything we're supposed to say no to, but we fall very short in saying yes to the very things that God asks us to do. We'll preach the message of the rich young ruler who had all his nose lined up, but said yes to the one thing that could advance the kingdom of God. And yet we do the very same thing in the houses of worship all across the earth. We'll say no, no, no to everything the enemy said, but when God says to do something, we still say no, we don't say yes. Looking back on my life, the hardest things I've had to go through were some of the toughest decisions I've made were actually God's favor and work in my life. But the same was true for you. But the greatest trial you're literally walking through right now is God's favor on your life. Some people are 
and strikes the chisel with the hammer and begins to break off pieces off of that mountain. And for the next 30 years, he literally spent 30 years hammering on that mountain with just a hammer and a chisel until he literally drilled a road all the way through the mountain. 30 years of his life with a hammer and a chisel, and you can go Google the mountain man of India, and it'll pull up pictures of him and the road that he literally put through the middle of a mountain so that no one would ever have to have an eight-hour walk to a hospital again. See, he didn't think at first that the hammer and the chisel was actually God's favor on his life, but not just God's favor on his life, but God's favor on the lives of generations to come, generation after generation after generation. They have determined today that over 5,000 lives have been saved because of a road that was carved through a mountain by a man that was ready to take his own life. But looked into the corner of a tent and he saw a hammer and a chisel. And God said, that's my favor on your life. Your favor on your life might not look like what you think it looks like. It might be a hammer and a chisel. But God's saying, i got a mountain that I need you to cut through. Quit worrying about yourself because there's a generation that's going to come from behind you and is going to need that path. See, church, 2,000 years ago, someone else picked up a hammer and they drove a spike through the hands of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They drove a nail through his feet and they hung him on a cross. But Jesus Christ knew that that was his purpose, his destiny, and your favor on your life. And because of that hammer on that day, millions of lives are still being transformed around the world today. Look in your hand today. God's giving you a hammer. It might look like a loaf of bread. It might look like a paintbrush, it might look like a wrench, but whatever it is, you've got the favor of God on your life, and there is a generation that's coming after you that needs you to pave the way and pave the path, and God's saying it might not look like favor now, but the day's coming when you walk on streets of gold, and you will declare holy, 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 as the Lord God Almighty. Can you say amen today? As I was driving here today, God said, when you preach on favor today, I am going to begin to pour out, when you pray for the people, an unusual measure of favor on those that are in attendance this morning. So I want everybody here, I want you to come up to the front right here, and we're going to pray, and God's going to pour out his favor. There are things in matter of fact, when you leave this place today, you mark today on your calendar, because you're going to look back in a week, or two weeks, or three weeks, you're going to say, I remember May 15th, when I got up and went to church, and I didn't feel like it, but I went anyway, and I got a measure of favor that I had never seen before in my life, and I am still benefiting from the blood of Jesus Christ, and that favor today, can you say amen? Hallelujah, we worship the Lord. I just go wide. As you come forward, we're going to pray. God, hallelujah, sheep, day, 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 just raise your hands and begin to praise the Father. Thank <laughs> you. 
Because you spoke to me on the way here today, Father. Those that are in attendance in this house, God, there is an unusual measure of favor that you spoke to me and said, I'm going to begin to pour out. They're going to begin to pour out. There are those here today that have been suffering through ailments, and God said, those ailments are going to begin to disappear. There are those of you that have been praying for financial miracles in your life, and God said, money is coming into your hands. There is someone here today, and you've been dealing with fear and anxiety and doubt, and God said, that's going to begin to disappear. They're going to wake up one morning, and they're going to walk out the door, and they're going to realize that you're not afraid to go out the door of your own house. You're not afraid to be around other people. God said, it's happening. There's a favor that's coming into this house today. God says, I've anointed this place. My heaven is open up over this place. Know ye not, the Lord says, know ye not that there is a level of favor that you have not tapped into yet, but it is coming, it is pouring, allow the latter rain of my favor to begin to hit you on top of the head, begin to roll down your brow, over your shoulders, all the way to the floor, and know that that favor that you are walking in is not by your own works to amen, folks, but it's by the power of the Thank you. 
Thank you. 